If you would, uh, take out the Bible in front of you or the one you brought with you and open up our reading today. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, we're going to spend some time in chapters 5 and 6 and a little bit in chapter 2 as well. So you're going to want to have it in front of you. But our reading for today is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. The Apostle Paul. And pray in the Spirit... On all occasions and all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's an old joke. It's kind of related to prayer. You maybe have heard it before. I know I've shared it before, but if you haven't, this would be good maybe to break the ice at whatever Labor Day party you have planned. There's a burglar broke into this person's house and was stealing all of the valuables and heard a voice in the distance. The voice said, Jesus is watching. And he stopped for a minute and wondered where it was coming from, thought it must be going in my head, it must not be anything at all, so he kept collecting the valuables, but there it was again, Jesus is watching. And so he stopped and he took his flashlight and he tried to find where it was coming from and he found it in the corner, there was this, this cage and inside was a parrot, it was a bird, and he looked at it and he said, you, are you the one that said that? And the parrot said, yes, Jesus is watching. And he started to laugh, and he said, who are you? And the parrot said, Moses. The burglar said, Moses, who names their parrot Moses? And the parrot said, the same person that names their Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> it's early, I'll let you think about it. I, lo I love that. Those of you online, you're not appreciating the rolling laughter. It takes a little bit of time, but eventually you're like, I got it. Today is Labor Day weekend, and we're in between sermon series, and so we thought that in this season of change, it would be a great opportunity, as, as Angel shared at the very beginning of the service, to spend some time looking at prayer and the real presence of God. Not the Rottweiler presence of God, but the real presence of God with us. Uh, a few Sundays ago, many of you remember, we celebrated our outdoor worship and picnic um, services and our baptisms out in the lake. Some of you were baptized for the first time on that particular Sunday. And we talked about Ephesians chapter 4. And that's just two chapters before the reading that we're reading today. Um, you might remember it's written by the Apostle Paul to the first generation church in a place called Ephesus, which was a prominent city in what is now known as modern-day Turkey. And this letter expounds on the joys and the riches of the gospel, that we have this great gift in Jesus that we are adopted as sons and daughters, that we're welcomed into the eternal presence of God beginning today, right here, right now, that we're forgiven, that we're redeemed, that we're chosen, that we're lavished in joy and grace and love, and that we're no longer in bondage to the root of all that is broken in the world. It doesn't mean there isn't brokenness, but we are no longer in bondage to that brokenness, which is called sin. In chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, but God is so rich in mercy 
that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. What the Father has done for us in Christ is he has swooped us up into all of the blessings of the Son, which includes the fact that he's been raised from the dead and seated in heaven itself. These are the promises of your baptism. That as you go into the water, we die to our old selves and we come out a new creation in Christ. And in chapter 4, what we learned was that the church is essential to living out this new life of faith because this is an outpost of heaven. This is where we find hope in a world that is desperate for Jesus to do what he promised to do, and that is to return and to redeem everything once and for all. And he will do that, and he is coming, but we are still waiting. And so we learned about the essential aspects of being a part of the family of God, but today, in chapter 6, we're going to read about another essential to living out this life, and that is prayer. That is our position with Jesus in heaven. We are not just united with the Father through the Son, but as he is seated at the right hand of God, that we are there too. And if God is really that close, if we're that close to him, and if his promise is that he is that close to us, then the natural expression of that should be to constantly pray. Have you ever been in a situation in maybe like the grocery store or something and you're standing in line and you don't realize that the person right in front of you is somebody you know really well and then suddenly you realize that you've been standing next to somebody that you know and you didn't say anything and now it's awkward if you don't say something, right? Well, it's not that much different when we think about the presence of God. God is with us always and so we talk to him through prayer. Last year we did a series on prayer. Aaron and Sarah Troxel. Aaron is on our board. Um, Sarah's on our worship team. They led a Bible study on prayer called The Prayer Course, and Pete Gregg uh, was the author of it. He's written a bunch of books on prayer, and uh, he said this, and I think it was the first session. He said, everybody prays, even non-Christians pray. The difference when Christians pray, they do it um, because they're climbing into the lap of their heavenly Father. I love that image of prayer, that prayer is climbing into the lap of our heavenly Father, and that is because we know What Paul is teaching us here in Ephesians, that prayer is more than meditation. Prayer is more than bringing God a laundry list of requests. During the prayer series, we landed on this definition of prayer. There's lots of good definitions of prayer, but the one we landed on was this. Prayer connects the present to the eternal. Why don't you read that with me? Prayer connects the present to the eternal. Here's what this means. Prayer connects our present and limited perspective with God's eternal and unlimited viewpoint. Prayer connects our current and finite strength with God's boundless and unfailing power. Prayer connects our fickle hearts and desires with a love that is unswerving and endless. And if that is what prayer is then there are at least four reasons that our reading outlines today as to why we should pray. And the first one that we learn is this, because prayer 
protects. Prayer protects. Let me just ask you, you could just yell out examples or share them in the comments online. Um, what is a profession that requires protection, physical protection? Just anybody. Firefighter. That's a really good one. First one I thought of is firefighter. Any, Police officer, Al Zimmerman, retired Walworth County Sheriff. That's what he said at the last service. Police officer. Yep, who else? Anybody? Nurses. Yes. You know, we had a dental hygienist in the last service, and she said they need protection. People laughed, and then I reminded them, how much do you like putting your fingers in people's mouths? Yes, <laughs> right? All of these things. Now, now, the reason that they have to wear protection is because there are inherent risks that are known in their profession. It's not that they're always in danger. A firefighter, for example, right? Even if they're 99% sure that they're showing up for a false alarm, they still put on all their gear, right? Because there's always the possibility, and so they always want to be prepared. Well, this is biblical when we think about prayer. Back in Ephesians 5, Paul wrote this. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, say it with me, be filled with the Spirit. In the Greek, the word filled is actually a continual process. Imagine a cup that's just constantly being poured into, overflowing again and again and again. I, I think about Psalm 46.1 when I think about prayer. Uh, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. In King, the King James Version, they translate that ever-present to very present. And both passages remind us that every opportunity, if God is that close, is a reminder to commune with him. It's a reminder to be with him. It's a reminder to be reminded that the presence of God is already there. To pray is to invite that presence to control us and to protect us. You go just a few verses before our reading, Paul expounds on what the life in the spirit should look like, and he compares it to a soldier that's preparing for war. Uh, look at verse 10. He says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, but when, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to, strand, to stand. Now, that is pretty strong language from Paul, isn't it? Paul is saying here that we all should live our lives like soldiers that are walking into the battlefield, that we need the full armor of God not only to stand our ground, but so that at the end of the day, we are still standing. We need this armor to survive. And I was thinking of this image just this week when Alyssa, my wife and I, we were talking about our, our second oldest son, Evan. He's 11 now. Um, but of all of our kids, he has had the wildest imagination when he was like two, three, four years old. Um, he's, we've been around here a long time, so some of you might even remember this. Um, I've got a picture. Evan, here's, here's a picture. It's so cute, right? Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Does anybody know that show? Like that was, it was one of his favorite shows. 
He had the wildest imagination, and every single time he was imagining something, he had to dress the part. And his favorite game to play was any game that involved weapons, of course, and weapons that he could go around the house and fight the bad guys with. And I kid you not, I, I asked him permission. I said, is it okay if I share this with the congregation? Because he's old enough now, right? I have to ask permission before I share those stories. He said it was. And I went to, to say goodnight to him last night, and I found this sword in his room. I'm pretty sure his little brother Carlos put it there. But, but this was the sword that went with that. I'm sure he was holding it. He used to sleep with a sword in his hand. And not only would he sleep with it, but sometimes if he wanted me to play along with him in the morning, he would take a sword. I mean, almost every night I would take my pillow, and underneath my pillow would be a sword. <laughs> he was just always into these games. But it was always fun for him. It was always just a game. It was always just based on these shows that he watched and all of this fun Disney fairy tale idea. And I'll never forget there was a moment when he was about three years old where he looked at Alyssa and I and he asked seriously, he said, but, but mom and dad, bad guys aren't real, right? And we struggled early in our parenting on how to answer that question. Because on one hand, you don't, you don't want this whole bad guy game with the Jake and the Neverland pirate sword to become real to him. He's only three. And at the same time, we've always valued being as honest as we possibly can. If our kids are old enough to ask the question, they're old enough to hear an answer. And, and, and it might, it's age-appropriate answers, right? Like we can't always comprehend everything, but we've always, been, we've always learned to, to value that. And so we couldn't tell them that there aren't bad guys in the world. And what we ended up telling him was that, yes, there are bad guys in the world. There is evil in the world. But there's also Jesus. And Jesus is good. And Jesus is powerful. And he can protect you. And he can keep you. And we would remind him of their baptism promises. And that became, for a season, a mantra for us with our two older boys. They shared a room. They still share a room today. And that's been really good um, because they feed off of each other. But that can also be really bad because they feed off of each other. And when they were little, they would get scared of the dark. Or they would have a nightmare and they'd wake the other one up. And as they would invite us into the room because they were scared, eventually we told them, we said, Jesus is bigger. And so you can pray a very simple prayer. It kind of sounds like the joke. When you're scared, when you think that there's something going on in your room that you're afraid of, say, Jesus, go get them. And I kid you not, there would be nights where we would hear them stir and I'd hear the, their little voices, Jesus, go get them. And I knew that they were having a bad dream. I knew that they were afraid. And as much as I want to go in there and comfort them, and still would at different times, what I want them to know even more than that is that Jesus is with them, that there will be things they will face in this world that are scary, but that Jesus is bigger and they are not alone. This is why Paul gives us this beautiful illustration of being a soldier. And he goes on, he says this in verse 14, he says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fit with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the the word of God. 
and you read all of this, and, and you would be forgiven for getting the idea that as Christians we're supposed to fight, right? But you have to remember what Paul said in the verses before. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, which is why prayer is essential. It's not against flesh and blood. I read a commentator once on this passage who reminded us that everything on that list is defensive. Everything on that list is preparation. Everything on that list, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, that are fit, feet fit with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, all of it is meant to be protective because we don't know what we're going to face in the world. And so we put all of those things on ourselves, not just so that we can be protected, but the second thing we learn about prayer is that prayer can also comfort us. I shared not very long ago um, the car accident that I was in. It was the same year Alyssa and I got married. It was the beginning of the year. My car was totaled. And if it wasn't for the airbag, I would not have survived. Um, I, I hit, I collided with another vehicle. It was over 40 miles an hour. Um, airbag went off. They're not soft, in case anybody's wondering. That's, they don't, they're not big pillows. That's what I thought they would be like. But I was so very grateful for that airbag. I was so thankful that when I had to go out and buy another car, I didn't care about anything about that car. I didn't care about the color. I didn't care about the features. I didn't care about how loud the radio was. I didn't care about anything. But what I did ask a lot of questions about is I asked questions about the airbag. How many airbags does it have? What does the security look like? I, I got those side curtain airbags. I asked if there was an option to add airbags to the airbags, and they said that doesn't exist. But if it did, I would have spent money for that, even though that car just got rid of it a year ago and drove it straight into the ground and never had to use them. But the fact that they're there because I know the danger, it brings me comfort and peace. We put on the full armor of God, not because every flaming arrow of the evil one is going to hit us every time, but when we go walk out the door every morning, when our kids walk out the door every morning, we need to know that they're ready. We need to be protected. We need to be comforted. It's all defensive, except verse 17. Look at verse 17 again. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And what do we do with the sword of the Spirit? We pray. Verse 18, very next verse. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I remember with Evan when we would run around and play against the bad guys, one of the things that we liked to do is go into dark rooms because when you're three, that's inherently scary. And so we would take our weapons and we would walk into a dark room and before we even saw what was going on in there, we would be ready to just fight, right? If it was a Nerf gun, it was boom, boom, boom. If it was a sword, we're like, bam, bam, bam. We were ready. And I look at this and I think about three-year-old Evan swinging around his Jake and the Neverland pirate sword. And I think this is what Paul is telling us to do with prayer. Everywhere we walk into, anything that looks dark, anything where we need protection, we should be praying, praying on all occasions, all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests. With this in mind, pray with all for all of God's people in all situations. Pray with the sword of the Spirit because it protects us. It comforts us. But it does even more. Paul says this in verse 19. He says, pray also for me 
that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, that I will fearlessly make known the presence of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The third thing that we learn is that prayer equips. It equips us to act. It equips us to advocate for what's right. It equips us to be prepared. It's why in in the midst of so many tragedies that we face and so many tragedies that we know about, right, in a hyper-connected world, uh, you've got war, you've got dangers, you've got school shootings. It's why when often we hear the response that those things are in our thoughts and prayers, they fall flat. I mean, how many of us are sick of hearing thoughts and prayers, right? The, the, the more honest response is probably for a lot of us to say that we're thinking about these situations because to pray is to acknowledge that God is here and he is with us and he is in us and he may want to act through us to bring the solutions that he's calling for. At the beginning of every memorial or funeral service, we always begin with a prayer, and it's based on Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians. He said this, He comforts, He, God, comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others in their troubles, that when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. I think about all of this as I think about my kids. I know many of you are in the same boat who are all four out of my five kids are going to be in school for the first time this year, all under the same roof. And on Tuesday, I'm going to send them into a world that I can't protect them from everything within. I need this. I need all of these promises. I need to know as I pray that God is going to protect them. I need to know that as I pray that God is going to comfort them, that God is going to comfort me in my finite abilities, but also that God is going to protect them and he's going to equip them to bring the presence of God, the same presence of God that protects and comforts them into the world and especially to those who might not know him. Because the last thing that we learn is that the power behind any prayer is in who you are praying to. The power behind any prayer is in the who that you are praying to. Friends, prayer by itself doesn't fix things. The God we pray to fixes things. Let me say that again. Prayer in and of itself doesn't fix things, but the God to whom we pray is the one who fixes things. The power behind any prayer is in who you are praying to. If I pray to that speaker right now, I'm not very hopeful anything's going to (laughs) happen. But if I pray to the one who controls the universe, I pray with hopeful expectancy because he is with me and he is working in the world and he is willing to work through me. Prayer brings us to the throne of God. And so the purpose of prayer is not so much to find the answers, but it is about drawing ever so close to the God who is the answer, the God who makes all things new and the God who promises to give us his peace until that day comes. And that is a promise Jesus himself made in John 14. When he prepared the disciples for his death, he said this. He said, all this I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I see these promises play out 
over and over and over again in my life and in the lives of so many people. And I want to just leave you with one example that I saw just two Sundays ago. Um, just, I think it was two days ago now, two and a half days ago, two of our beloved siblings in the body of Christ here at St. John's, Orlean Gardner and Jean Fisher, passed away. Uh, Jean was 99 years old. Orlean was 96 years old. And by the grace of God, and just not a coincidence, but it seemed as if it was that, they were placed in the same nursing home in, in rooms right next to each other until very recently where one of them had to move down the hall, and they both passed away within hours of one another this past week. And so we rejoice in their life, we rejoice in their faith. If you know these folks, you know they're just incredibly beautiful souls who are in the presence of Jesus right now. We have so much to be thankful, even as we grieve and loss and grieve their loss with us. Um, but two Sundays ago, I was, I was preparing to go to a pastor's conference in Iowa. And I was going to be gone all week, and I got a call after church. It was actually the same day as our picnic. Um, I think. It was the same day as the baptisms. And so I was really tired. It was a great day. I was preparing to be gone all week long. And I got a call that Orlean was not doing well. And I didn't want to miss her while I was gone. And so I, I left and I went to go visit with her. And I came into her room and she was very confused. And I sat down and I said, hi. And she looked at me. She said, hi, Dr. Mall. <laughs> I said, I am not a doctor. <laughs> I said, I'm Pastor Tom. I think she was a little disappointed, but she kind of seems to understand. And so we, we talked for a bit, and I asked about family, and I asked about pictures on the wall and all those sorts of things. But it seemed like as the conversation went on, her anxiety was increasing. And so I, I said to her, would you like me to share communion with you? And she knew what that was, and so she said to me, yes. And I took out the elements, the bread and the wine, and I said, you know, Jan Ellsworth comes and visits you every single Wednesday, and I know you know this, and so would you help me with this? And she said, yes. And so I took out the elements, I took out the bread, and I said, 2,000 years ago, Jesus sat down, and he took what? And she looked at me, and she said, he took bread. And I said, very good. He took bread, absolutely. And he broke it, and he gave it to who? And she looked at me with the biggest smile on her face, and she said, he gave it to me. And on a day that I was exhausted and tired and looking forward to, looking ahead, and I wasn't really looking forward to, but looking ahead in a busy week and being away and all of these things, in that moment, God used Orlean to promise me the reminder of the promise of peace as the Spirit of God was promising her. I could feel us climbing into the lap of the Father together through the power of prayer. And so I said, yes, Orlean, you are a disciple of Jesus. You are his daughter. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and he gave it to you and me to eat. And we went through the rest of communion together and we ate and we drank and we prayed. And today, Orlean is in the full presence of God. Orlean has has realized the promise of her baptism. Orlean has been invited in just as the thief on the cross, just as Jean and so many of the saints that have gone before us. And I am so thankful for that. 
But I am also so very thankful that she and I were able to share a moment where God invited us both into the Father's lap together through prayer, where the Holy Spirit reminded both of us of everything that he had taught her, and in doing so gave us both peace. Friends, God is with us, even when we can't remember, even when you think your pastor is the doctor, even when you're 96 years old, reminding you that he is there and that you are there with him. And so at this time, what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite you, as Angel comes forward, to climb into the Father's lap. We're going to do this together. I sent out an email a few days ago, and many of you sent prayer requests to me. Some of you posted them on Facebook. Some of you texted me this morning because you didn't get them yet. I got them, and they're written down. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song that's new to us, right? I don't think we've sang this song here before. But I want to encourage you while you're seated to sing these words. And between the choruses and the verses, I'm going to lift up the prayers that you've shared with me to pray, and I want to encourage you to lift up your prayers to God during this time as well. Life is so busy. It's Labor Day weekend. And so take a moment, maybe even just right now, close your eyes and be reminded that to be still in the presence of God is nothing that we can do on our own, but it is only by God's Spirit reaching into us, quieting our hearts, our minds, and our souls that we would be more aware that his presence is already with us and is with us always. Lord God, as we come before you right now in prayer, let us begin as we sing. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Because your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadow. Lord Jesus, we pray for the beginning of another school year for many. As a child, you yourself increased in wisdom and stature. You listened to your teachers and you asked them questions. We pray now your blessing upon those who learn that they may grow in knowledge of their maker and redeemer their life giver, and of your glorious world that we live in. God, we pray your blessing upon every teacher, every administrator, every support staff person. We pray that they may share the wisdom that they receive from you and that they may do their work with patience and love, patience and love that reflects your mercy and grace. God, we pray that you would protect our schools from so many things that we fear. We pray that you would protect them from those who seek to threaten them, be it in body, mind, or spirits. God, we pray that you bring comfort to parents 
knowing that you go before our children and that you are with them always as you promised. Your word tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so, God, we pray that you be with all those here at St. John's and in churches around the world as they are preparing for another year of ministry to our youngest disciples. May you be with every one of our small group leaders, our staff, our nursery volunteers and coordinators, our youth leaders. We pray that every one of them would have wisdom from you that they in turn can impart on those around them. We pray all these things. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over fear and all anxiety Every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Cause your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every Almighty God, you are the great physician. We pray now for your healing presence in and through the lives of all who suffer in body, mind, and spirit. Specifically, God, we lift up to you those who have asked us to lift them up to you in your name. God, we pray with angel for the healing power of your Holy Spirit in your hand over cancer and disease. God, we pray for Jan Ellsworth and alongside her for her grandson, Ryan. God, we pray for Darlene Creason and that everything would go well for her eye surgery on Tuesday. God, we pray that you would heal the body of Cindy Martin and improve the health of Dave and daughter Donna Baker. God, we pray for the long challenges of, of bodily pain and turmoil in Tawny Bloom that the medications to help with her gut would bring down the inflammation that she's experienced. God, we pray with Jerry for all of his nieces and nephews that are on their way to college and for all of our college students to keep them safe. We pray for his loved ones and all of our loved ones who battle addiction. God, we pray for Kathy Sutton and her surgery coming up on September 16th. We pray for Chris Pelka's husband, that he would accept you, Jesus, into his heart. We pray for Krista and the Hintz family for sleep and rest and that you would keep them healthy and safe. 
And God, we pray for Julie Thomas's sister, Susie, who this morning has texted us. She's having unexpected gallstone surgery. And so, God, we pray that you would work through the doctors and the nurses and the staff to make her well. We lift up all these things to you in Jesus' name. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. God of love, your word tells us that we love only because you first loved us. And so we pray for the presence of your love to be in and with and around all those for whom we pray. We pray with angel for the peace and gentleness in those who are experiencing divorce, that God would protect children that are caught up in the confusion of what the brokenness feels like and what they're going through. May you heal them. God, we pray that you would bring comfort and peace to the families of both Orlean Gardner and Eugene Fisher. God, we pray for the hope of the resurrection for all those missing their loved ones. We pray with Jerry for those who need help, for those who are battling the demons of abuse. Would you break the chains and bring your justice and safety? God, we pray with Marlene Hodak, and we ask for safe travels for their children. We pray for all of those who Don Grice lifts up in prayer. And Almighty Father, we recognize that you hold the universe in your hands, that everything that ever has and ever will will be yours and is yours. It has been created by you, and it is under your ultimate authority. It is with that knowledge we pray for our world. We pray near and far and ask for your light to shine in the darkness, for your peace to prevail in turmoil, for your protection in the face of injustice. Specifically, we pray alongside our brothers and sisters in Kenya, Holly and Fred Okoth, who have asked us this morning to lift up the elections in Kenya. The Supreme Court is going to be giving their verdict on Monday, and there is so much potential for unrest and violence. And so we pray in Jesus' name for peace and truth and unity. God, we pray in the continued conflict in Ukraine and Russia, something that can so quickly fall out of our minds with so many other things going on and how prolonged this conflict has been. Would you end it in Jesus' name? And would you be with those who are still in the middle of so much? God, we pray for Jackson, Mississippi and clean water. We pray for our environment. That we would be good stewards. And we pray for our own nation. That we would be a nation of repentance, not pride. That we would turn away from everything that draws us away from you and all of the things right now that are drawing us away from each other. May you guide our leaders, and may you guide us as citizens to be guided by your commands. Teach us not to put our trust in mortal men, politicians, none of which can save us. 
Help us to trust you alone for every good and perfect gift. Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you live and reign over all. Bless your church. Move us to use the freedoms of our nation and the freedoms that are found in your grace to make the gospel known in this land and in every land. Spirit of life, stir our faith in your holy word that even as we do what we can and as we seek to do your will, we would ultimately trust that you are our refuge and fortress, that you alone can work all things for the good of your holy people. Gracious God, rule in our hearts alone, now and forever. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Cause your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. Jesus is our only hope. Because he's the only hope that we need. Amen? And he has given us this incredible gift not only of being in his presence always, but promising his presence through this meal, through this means of grace. That 2,000 years ago on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave it to the disciples as he gives it to us. And he said, take and eat, this is my body broken for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this, remember me. After the supper, Jesus took the cup of blessing, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, and said, take and drink this cup. It's the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, remember me.